Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. Nightmare at Tuolumne Meadows by Marion J. Prescott. This can't be real, thought Dan Johnson. Why had he been foolish enough to go out on his own? He'd been warned plenty of times by his counselor and by his dad, but he hadn't meant to be gone from camp longer than an hour at the most. Just a short trek up the trail, or so he had thought. Now he was alone in a dark ravine with a possible broken leg, and night was coming on. A boy he didn't know had found him after his injury, and had helped him. Even now, Dan couldn't remember his name. Was it Joe? Yes, that was it. Thank you, God, for what you are going to do for my friend, Joe had prayed. Thank you for the courage and the strength you are going to give him and me. And with that, he had turned and left. But you can't just leave me here, Dan had wanted to scream after the retreating steps. But instead, he called out, How will you find this place again? It's, it's impossible. I'll die down here. I'll, I'll find you. Joe's voice had come back from above him on the cliff. I'll tie my scarf on this pine tree. You're crazy, Dan had shouted. There are thousands of pine trees up there, millions. How's anyone going to find that one tree? Pray, the boy had told him, and start the fire at sundown to keep the animals away. I've left you plenty of wood and my canteen. Now it seemed as though a great bowl had been dropped over the entire forest. All his life, Dan had been secretly afraid of the dark. Now, as his eyes looked up through the tops of the great trees, he caught sight of an icy slice of moon barely visible in the gathering twilight. For the first time, he sighed a sigh of relief. A moon, he thought. At least there will be some light, and I have water. He lit the fire, and the sight of its glow instantly eased his panic. He ate some crackers, a candy bar, and an apple he had in his jacket pocket. Lying back on his bed of pine needles, Dan did some thinking. Maybe things weren't quite as bleak as they had seemed at first, he told himself. Joe would be back with help by morning. He seemed to know the area well, and Dan would keep the fire going. That would lead a rescue party to him. What a story it would make. It was bound to get into the papers. Hiker lost in the high Sierras, or lone hiker lost at Twalmney Meadows, or perhaps... Once again, he glanced up at the moon, but this time he scowled. There were dark clouds around it. When he'd looked before, there had been no clouds at all. With a long stick, he poked at the crumbling log on the fire and watched it as it fell apart. Time was something he could only guess at. Hours had passed, he was sure, but how many, he had no idea. Maybe he had dozed, but he didn't think so. His leg hurt. He added a piece of wood to the fire, and slowly his eyes grew heavy. But, of course, sleep was out. He'd have to stay awake and tend the fire. But a rest, just a short rest for his tired eyes, he told himself, might do him a lot of... What actually woke him was the sound of someone or something close, too close. The darkness mocked him. He could hear the crackling of dry leaves, the snapping of twigs, and an eerie rustling in the underbrush. He felt his head. It was hot and feverish. The pain in his knee was intense. And the fire, it was almost out. 
Thrusting himself up and dragging his injured leg along, Dan managed to reach the remaining pile of wood. But too fast, too hurriedly, he flung an armful onto the smoldering embers. He watched the sparks fly up, then die. I've killed it, he thought. The fire is out. Reaching for his pack of matches, Dan set about trying to relight the fire, but he was too nervous. After eight or nine tries, he crawled back into his sleeping bag. Once again, he heard the faint prowling of some animal. A gasp muffled itself in his throat. He'd never been so completely alone in his life. The moon was off again, on again. At times, it was completely obliterated by the clouds. He looked up. A drop of rain fell on his trembling hand. Oh, no, he groaned. Not rain on top of everything else. Slowly, he reached for the canteen, opened it, and put it to his parched lips. Another rustle from the underbrush startled him, and he dropped his canteen, spilling its contents onto the ground. The rain pelted over him, adding to his misery. Dan pulled his blanket over his head. No fire, no water, no food, no moon, and the rain was getting heavier by the minute. Painfully, he dragged himself to some brush and crawled under it. Only one person in the whole world knew where he was. If Joe had forgotten, if he had lost his way, or if the scarf had blown off the tree, "'Thank you, God, for what you are going to do for my friend.' The remembered words slid across Dan's mind as he thought about Joe's prayer. "'Thank you for the courage and the strength.' "'Courage and strength,' he thought hopelessly. "'Courage! He'd had nothing but fear "'and a conceited and ridiculous idea "'of perhaps getting his name into the newspapers. "'What about Joe out there? "'Dan hadn't even thought about his safety. "'What if he had fallen in the dark? "'He'd even given up his canteen. "'Strength! Why had Joe prayed like that?' "'he wondered feverishly. "'Why had he prayed as though strength and courage "'were already a reality when actually—' Then suddenly he felt himself growing dizzy. Help me, God, Dan whispered, amazed at his own words. For the first time since he was nine years old, he was praying. He remembered the last time. He'd been with friends and had offered a prayer over lunch, and they had snickered. That's corny, one of them had said. Do you mean you actually believe in that religion stuff? He had been humiliated, and he had never prayed since, till now. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do, Dan prayed again. Please get Joe here safely and help me even though there's no fire and no moon. That's the last thing he remembered until he felt strong hands and arms lifting him into a wire stretcher. Until he felt someone putting water to his lips. It was Joe. I I was scared, Dan said. I was too, said Joe. And then I... I know, Joe smiled. We heard you praying. You were delirious, but you were thanking God for his help. When I prayed the prayer you prayed, I knew somehow that I, that you, Joe smiled, God promises us his help, so why not thank him in advance? There were six men on the rescue team. They splinted the injured leg, then expertly hoisted the stretcher up the side of the cliff. As they reached the top, Dan saw Joe's red kerchief tied to the old pine. Ten million pine trees, he laughed, and you were able to find this one. With God's help, that's the way it works. Here, take it as a souvenir, he said, untying it and sticking it in Dan's hand. A helicopter was waiting in the first clearing. 
Soon it was moving. The nightmare and the darkness were a faraway dream. But to Dan, God would always be real. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.